welcome to episode 19 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. We are playing it. We will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on February 12th, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com and 50% of this here show. With me, as always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How's it going, Corey? Hello, Brad. I'm a little upset because during our time slot of recording this podcast, I'm going to miss Lady Gaga's performance at the Grammys, but I know that once we wrap recording, it will be on the internet waiting for me to watch. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and in fact, if you get kind of bored of recording the show, you can always click over to Twitter. I'm sure there will be infinite uh, gifts of that going on, like probably in very near real time. Much like the Super Bowl halftime show, I'm sure. Probably so. Probably so. <laughs> well, speaking of things uh, not related to video games, why don't we just launch into today's episode? Um, as usual, we'd like to start things off with a few minutes of unnecessary banter that is not necessarily game related. Um, I don't know if you've got anything else Gaga related, but what do you have, Corey? Um, I don't have anything Lady Gaga related, but I accidentally kind of um, set this up for a good like music segue, and I didn't even mean to do this, I promise. Um I've got a little bit of a rant for our banter section, so maybe I can call it like the ranter section, if you will. I see what you did there. Yeah, ah, I'm, I'm clever. Um, I just want to say that, uh, you know, I, I scroll through Twitter a lot, and I actually, most of the times I'm scrolling through Twitter, it kind of like actively makes me like hate my life and the United States and just everything going on, because it's just like scrolling through like really depressing news one after like one thing after another but um something that really pissed me off this week was i was scrolling through twitter and i follow um an account called the hollywood reporter which you've probably heard of have you um i they actually print like a real like newspaper don't they they have well they have a magazine and then they have like a you know just like a news website um for anything it's funny to me that they're called the hollywood reporter because they seem to report on like like a lot of stuff like not even hollywood related um but uh, maybe they're just like reporters but they're in hollywood is that why oh that could be it maybe it's the maybe they should add an s and call themselves the hollywood reporters and not the hollywood reporter yeah you know like uh, like the new york daily news or something like they're in new york but it's not just new york news it's just like they're in new york <laughs> maybe that's it maybe that. i think we solved it we, we got right, to the bottom of right. it well, what what pissed me off this week is that they tweeted, they sent out a tweet earlier this week about um, how the, the ACLU, which is the American Cib- Civil Liberties Union, is having like a benefit concert. And the in the tweet, they said that Macklemore and uh, Imagine Dragons were headlining the show. And um, there I just got really mad because a lot of people retweeted it without even reading, of course, without even reading the article, because God forbid you take the 30 seconds out of your day to actually read something, you know, an entire article before you before you retweet the article. So all these like stupid, like smug, snarky assholes started retweeting this and being like, oh, like, oh, we must have donated too much money. Oh, can we take the money back? We donated, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I know that they're trying to get these like one-off jokes, like, oh, ha, ha, like, let's laugh at Macklemore and Imagine Dragons because, you know, uh, six months ago they were cool musical artists. And now, like, I guess the the liberal Twitter um, uh, group has decided that they're not cool anymore or something suddenly for probably no reason. So, um so like, oh, haha, let's point and laugh at them because they're doing a benefit concert. But 
What everybody failed to realize about the whole thing is that the ACLU really has nothing to do with it. So the tweet headline was slightly misleading. The fact is that um, there's an electronic music artist, a music producer named Zed, um, Z-E-D-D, who won a Grammy in like 2012. And I like his music. I don't think it's amazing, but I think it's pretty good. But that's beside the point. Um, He actually, after the election and after Trump won, he like scrambled like a madman to... to, uh, get people to to do this benefit concert like to get a lineup of people basically on super short notice and i mean obviously people that are making stupid jokes don't understand that like you know assembling a benefit concert is not something like it's a pretty difficult thing to do we're talking about all of these famous people who have you know millions of fan bases trying to come together for one night to do a benefit show but zed himself is a russian immigrant who came to the united states and now he makes music here and he's like famous all over the world and all this shit so he like busted his ass to get all these uh to get all these musical artists together get anyone who could that wasn't busy or wasn't you know otherwise touring that night or whatever and uh if i'm not mistaken 100 of the ticket proceeds are going to the aclu And if you don't know what the ACLU is, they basically are the people, they're like the group of lawyers that are basically fighting Trump every step of the way. So every dumb executive order he makes where he thinks he can just sign something and then it becomes absolute law in the United States, like they're the ones that are taking him to court, that are fighting him, that are like basically leveraging the judicial side of the judicial branch um, in, in Congress, you know, in United States law to kind of fight him. And it just really pisses me off whenever people like, like, on Twitter, you know, they just make stupid jokes about stuff like this. Like, oh, haha, like, oh, they, they have Macklemore and Imagine Dragons headlining. Like, oh, oh, we gave him too much money. Oh, ha, ha. It's just like, you know, how about you shut the fuck up? Because you're sitting your fat ass in front of your computer not doing anything. And meanwhile, all of these musical artists are leveraging the fact that they are famous and they have huge fan bases to come together for a night to make money to donate to the ACLU so that they can afford to take all these stupid ass lawsuits from Trump's executive orders, you know, to bat, to court, and try to fight him on it. And it's just like stuff like that pisses me off so much. And this whole idea of like perceived superiority based on what fucking music artists you like is just like the dumbest most smug thing in the entire world to me and i mean you're free to not like certain musical artists like i don't like Katy perry very much but i certainly don't discourage anyone else from liking her music i mean if you like her music fine if you like macklemore fine if you like imagine dragons fine but It's just so shallow and smug whenever people get on the internet. And I know this is like Twitter in a nutshell, and they just like tweet these stupid things like, oh, huh, we gave the ACLU too much money because they're trying, because they got these artists that we don't think are cool to try to raise even more money for them so that they can, you know, fight Republican lawmaking. It just pisses me off so much, Brad. Damn, dude, Corey's on fire. Holy shit. Well, man, I feel you on that one. I saw those tweets going around and I thought it was pretty crass. Um, you know, regardless of whether you like those particular bands or not, I think you are entirely right in saying that anybody doing something like something concrete, like raising money for the ACLU is something that should be celebrated and supported, whether you like that music or not. I mean, you know, as you very clearly stated, you know, Trump's a fucking madman driving the United States off a fucking cliff and cackling while he does it. And anybody that can stand up to him and push that back is somebody that we need to get behind. And that is the ACLU for sure. So, yeah, I I agree. I second your fuck off uh, to those people. And like, (laughs) if you're not going to get out and do something, just at least shut up and get get out of the way, you know? 
Yeah, I'm just over the whole like just and, and it doesn't even have to be about the music or, or like this event in general. Just like the whole like Twitter notion that you have to, that like everybody's a comedian and everybody has to like make the first joke and try to get the most retweets and like all this stuff. It's just like ugh, I'm just over that whole just like genre of people on Twitter. It just really irritates me. <laughs> I do like the idea that there's a genre of people. I can't, we're going to have to go into that a little further on, a, <laughs> on another episode of the show, perhaps. Oh, gosh. I wonder what genre I would be. Wait, don't answer that. I'd be scared of the answer. We'll talk about oh, it God. in private. Okay. Uh, right. Well, that, now that I'm cooling down from my flaming rant, what do you have? Uh, nothing nearly as fiery. Um, just a couple things really quick. Uh, one, a little anecdote. I, I, I couldn't get over this. Uh, I went to South Seattle uh, a couple days ago. And me and my wife were heading down there to do some business and we decided to stop for lunch. And there's a lot of really authentic um, ethnic places down in South Seattle. So we saw this really cool uh, Vietnamese place. We both are really big Vietnamese fans. Uh, so we went in and went. It was like a really cool restaurant. It looked like kind of a dive from upstairs. But then like you went inside the door, you went down these stairs like immediately. And then it was really cool at the bottom. So it was really nice, like a real switch up sat in there and it seemed like, I mean, it was really packed, really busy. So it seemed like a good sign. I ordered the, uh, grilled pork and shrimp plate. And I'm like, okay, well, I've had this many times in other restaurants. I'll try it here and see how, how it goes. Uh, I gotta say, I was quite surprised. They brought my plate and it was um, a large piece of grilled pork, which is actually really delicious. And it was one shrimp but i will say the shrimp was fucking huge it was like enormous <laughs> it was literally just like a shrimp and i i i totally got shocked for a second like oh my god what the fuck is this like it almost looked like a lobster for a second <laughs> and it was literally just the one shrimp and i was like oh my god so i cracked it open ate it up it was really delicious it was a good time um they had other stuff at that restaurant too they were serving goat they were serving rabbit they were serving frog i almost ordered the frog because i was very curious uh, but I was really hungry that day. And just in, in the event that it wasn't good, I didn't want to order something that I wasn't going to like. But if I had, if I had had uh, more time that day, I would have maybe ordered the frog if I had, uh, if I could afford to have a bad lunch. Um, but yeah, it was good, good time. And I just got to say, I never in my life have I ever ordered shrimp. I just been brought one shrimp, but it was an impressive <laughs> shrimp. That is for sure. Um, one more thing I will mention uh, really quickly. I know I've talked about this on Twitter, but uh, I've been watching Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. I know I mentioned this to you, Corey. Did you ever have time to catch like the first episode? I did not. I mean, I have certainly had time. I just have not prioritized it. Oh, man. I just finished it. It's, uh, the first series just went up on Netflix uh, earlier this year. It's only 10 episodes, and each episode is about a half an hour. So it's a pretty quick, pretty quick watch. You could probably binge it in one day or two days if you really didn't have anything to do. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but I heard a lot of people recommending it, and I didn't know what it was when I went into it. But it quickly turns into a show about zombies. But I will say <laughs> it is absolutely not about – it's not like any zombie show you've ever seen. Um, it's very funny. It's very light. It's very goofy. And the central characters are a husband and wife. And the thing that I really liked most about this uh, this series was that they really, like, loved each other. Like, it was genuine – you know, they had little squabbles here and there, but it was really super minor. Like just overall, the tone of the show was like he was really committed to her. She was really committed to him. They had a daughter and they loved their daughter and that was fine. And like despite all of the stuff that was going on, all the zombie stuff. And again, I want to say this is not typical zombie stuff. Don't expect like post-apocalyptic, you know, stuff like it, this is not that like it's very, very unique. 
what they do with it. Um, but I just I just really love the relationship. It was funny. A lot of the writing was quite good. And just to see that kind of relationship on a show was really refreshing because usually we get like these shitcoms where it's like, you know, the dad doesn't give a fuck and the mom's like a shrew and the kids are smart asses and everybody's snarking at each other and they all make jokes at each other's expense. And it's just really fucking tiresome and a really poor reflection of American society. So um, I just really liked the relationship a lot. Like it was so endearing and so cute that they loved each other so much. And that they were able to get through like all this zombie stuff that was happening. It was it was really good. It's very um, humorous. It's very light. It's very fun. If you're tired of zombie shows, I totally get it. But this is not that. This is not your typical zombie show by any stretch of the imagination. It is a really great time. I loved it. So I would definitely recommend it. Starring Drew Barrymore, who does a great job. And Timothy Oliphant, I believe, who I think you have a, a high opinion of, Corey. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't mention it, I was going to mention that you were leaving out the most important part was that Timothy Oliphant is in it. And he played, this is not the best thing he's done by far, but he was uh, Agent 47 in the first Hitman movie. Was he really? Yeah, he came from Deadwood on the HBO series, and then he did a uh, Hitman, and he was in uh, Live Free or Die Hard. He was the villain in that, um, and he's been I in other stuff. I totally cannot imagine that guy from that show being Agent 47. That does not compute in my head at all. Yeah, That's I mean, been, I got to look like, it up. I got to look it up. This is crazy. <laughs> he's like super duper sexy, too. Oh, my God. He's so freaking hot. If you say so, I will take he your word is. for it. He was just like a regular white dude to me. But, I'll, you know, that's that's your bailiwick and not mine. So. If you say so, I believe you. <laughs> but that is a fucking good show. I'm really glad I watched that. I totally recommend it. Good stuff, good stuff. So anyway, that was our banter for the week. Uh, I think that's going to do it there. Let's get into the good stuff. Let's get into the games. Let's get into our usual weekly conversation. Let's get into the meat of discussion about what's going on and what we are playing. Corey, do you want to start off this week? Sure. Um, I am playing the hottest, newest game called Abzu which is not hot or new. Actually, it's kind of hot, but not It's new. barely a um, game, dude. Oh, my God. See, I this is part... I did not even want to talk about this game on the podcast because I knew that you would just be talking shit on it the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Well, let me summarize Abzu real quick um, in case nobody's heard of it. This is... It kind of fits in the genre of games that like journey is in where it's not really like a walking simulator, but it's just kind of like a, like a narrative. I don't even know what to call it. It's just like playing through a story. There's not a whole lot of challenge. There's not a whole lot of um, like hardship. It's just sort of like you playing through like a storybook esque kind of thing. And journey, you were like this robed person in the sand, exploring these sand dunes and all this stuff. Um, and Abzu, which I believe some of the Journey team worked on Abzu. Abzu, you are playing as like this sort of like cyborg diver diver person. Like they have like flippers and um, like a face mask. And it's just basically you swimming underwater and like um, being around the fish and exploring these different areas underwater. And there's like a section with big whales and there's like a shark that chases you. And you have these little um, like android uh, i don't even know what to call them they're kind of like searchlights that float around you sometimes that help you like unlock doors and shit um 
And I I was not in a hurry to play this because I had heard very mixed reactions on it. Um, some people absolutely love it and think it's as good as Journey. Some people absolutely hate it, um, which is Brad Galloway. And, um, <laughs> and I mean, I played it. It's only like two to three hours long. So it's totally one of those like, you know, pick up, play in one sitting and then, you know, I guess that's it games. And I mean, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was amazing. I didn't cry. You know, I didn't think it was, you know, the best game I'd ever played in my life. I didn't think it was bad because um, Brad like actively dislikes it. But I, um, I just thought it was fine. Like you just swim with the fishies. There's like a neat part where there's like underwater, like triangular, like land. I guess they're not land mines if they're underwater. They're like water mines that you have to swim around that like sometimes explode and, there's a cool part where you swim along these like gigantic whales and like the camera pans out and it, the, the whale is like a thousand times bigger than your little like diver person and they're like doing spins and stuff around you. But I mean, overall, it was just it was just fine. Um, I mean, something to play, you know, wasn't game of the year or anything, but I also did not actively dislike it either. So, Brad, I just can't wait to hear what you're going to say in response to this. Man, I fucking I hated this game. I hated this game. Um, I think part of it is because I was so disappointed and I was disappointed because I had been looking forward to it for so long. Um, a little backstory on my side. I had seen it at PAX. I want to say I want to say three years ago. I mean, maybe that's maybe it's just two years ago. But but point being, I saw it quite a while ago and I thought the visual design was really great. I thought it looked very interesting. Uh, you know, like you said, I mean, if, if nothing else, it's beautiful, like swimming as a little, you know, sky cyborg robot skin diver person underwater with all the fish and the whales and the, the light coming through the surface and the seaweed. Like it's all very beautiful. And I really like the idea of something slow paced and relaxed, just kind of taking your time, taking in the scenes, just being in the underwater environment. That seemed really cool. So I had been looking forward to it for a couple of years and every time I had seen it, it was looking better and better, but they weren't showing very much. And so I was like, well, this is probably going to be like, you know, kind of like you said, the equivalent of a walking sim. But as long as you're swimming and there's fish, that'll be cool. But then when I finally got my hands on it, it just was really so disappointing because after waiting for it for like two or three years, it, there just wasn't very much to it. It wasn't very impressive in any aspect. And I think probably the biggest offender is that, like you said, I think it was the artistic director from Journey left uh, that game company and went to go found their own studio. I think this studios called squids or something like that i think it's giant squid giant squid yes thank you and basically it's like it's literally like journey underwater like a lot of the same beats a lot of the same camera panning a lot of the same themes it's like it's just like it's too it's too much of a copy it's not beat for beat like journey but it's so close like the resemblance is impossible to ignore and it just feels like oh well i wanted to make journey too but we already made journey so i'm gonna make journey again but this time it's underwater and I just, I couldn't stand how similar it was, and yet not nearly as good. The story doesn't make as much sense. Uh, some of the scenes don't really belong there. Like, they seem to, to be included in the game because that's what Journey did, not like it really makes sense in Abzu. And some of the elements in Abzu just don't come together. Like, it seems like they had a couple different ideas, and they tried to smash them all together into one coherent whole, whereas those things do come together in Journey. I do, I do not think they come together in Abzu. I just felt very frustrated and very disappointed and very bored. Like, even though it's a very short game, basically a one-sitting game, if you've got an open afternoon, uh, just swimming around and doing really nothing and having some particular story elements that never get paid off and leading towards something that doesn't make a lot of sense and just 
just seeing how much missed potential there was, it was just oh, so frustrating to play something that I had been so excited for and then to get the final product and it's just it's just not good. It is just not not good. So oh 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 hurts me so bad to see what a what a shame, <laughs> what a missed potential that was. So very disappointed. I'm uh I'm sorry to hear that. And I mean maybe part of the reason why I I mean liked it, I guess, is that I knew that you didn't like it and I knew that other people liked it and I, I hadn't been looking forward to it for so long. But that is one thing that I think is hilarious because on the Game Critics, um, I think it's on like every, it's like on every Game of the Year show or every E3 show for like two or three years. That was your game that you named. It's like like next year, what the game I'm most looking forward to is Abzu. And then a year later, you're like, all right, next year, Abzu is the game I'm looking forward to. And then it finally came out and then you had been looking forward to it for so long that it just didn't quite make it for you oh god i know see that was the worst thing and i know some people are going to say oh your expectations were too high or you're expecting too much like i don't think so like i think i would have been really happy if it was just a very simple well-told story that was beautiful i mean like yeah swimming with whales great swimming in the dark area is really cool like it looks great but like they didn't do much with it besides the graphics and with all that time in development i mean i don't know if they were working on it like in their spare time or if they were all, you know, had other projects going or they had problems or I don't know what happened. But I mean, oh, just oh, there's oh, so much didn't happen in that game. <laughs> it just there's nothing there. And I just was really disappointed. And I get that people think it's beautiful. and That's great. And if that's what floats your boat, not you, but like people in general, fine. But man, I expected a little bit more than just having pretty graphics. I oh, so disappointed. It's funny that you said if that's what floats your boat, because it's, you know, a water game. And you don't really float at all, but oh well. You yeah, if that's sink. what sinks your submarine. Oh, anything. That was, that's what drowns you in sorrow. I'm drowned in sorrow. Well, I have to say that even though this is probably like dirty of me, I am super glad that Gamefly exists because this came out on disc and I rented it from Gamefly and I literally got it in the mail, played it that night and put it in the mail the next day to send it away. So instead of spending $20 to buy this game in disc form, I just rented it for a night and then sent it back, which it's probably like looks bad on me a little bit, but uh, you know, it is what it is. So that was nice. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a funny thing you bring that up because on the one hand, I feel like people deserve to get paid for the work that they do. And I support creators and there's been many instances of where I will, go out of my way to buy something or put money down on something because I want to support those people. But at the same time, you know, we're not made of money. I'm not a rich man. I'm pretty sure you're not a rich man. And it's like, you know, if I was to buy something like this, and in fact, I think I did buy it, um, I would just be so like even more disappointed. Like, I think there's a certain point at which it stops feeling like you're supporting a creator and it starts feeling like you're being taken advantage of. And I'm sure some people will be offended by me saying that. But there's definitely some games where I've bought the game and I definitely feel taken advantage of. Um, and I think this is kind of one of those where I just feel like, man, this does not feel like an honest effort. This does not feel like you guys really put yourselves into it. And, you know, I don't know these people. I don't know these developers. And I'm sure that people think that's a very unfair thing to say. But as someone who paid cash for this and was really going into it um, on a very positive note, really wanting to like it, I just felt like, man, uh, you know, if, if I could get my money back for, for something like this, I, I think I probably would have. If only you had bought it on Steam and then you could have requested a refund like your favorite game, The Beginner's Guide. Oh, fuck that game. You know, <laughs> it's funny you mention that. It's funny you mention that. This is kind of a side note, but I actually had a discussion. I'm not going to say with who, but a friend of mine came into town and we were talking about The Beginner's Guide and he 
was actually really offended at some of the stuff that um, we had talked about on the Beginner's Guide show of the Game Critics podcast. For people who did not catch that episode, I fucking hate the Beginner's Guide. Like, actively hate it. <laughs> um, I think that is a really fucking pretentious game. And it really took a lot of balls for that person to ask for money for that game. So that that was our stance on the show. And this particular person, who shall remain unnamed, was really, really taken aback that we would say something like that. Because they thought it was us assuming the worst of this person who they felt had really put an honest effort into that game. Maybe so. Maybe so. You know, but I think that... You know, you can't always assume what the creator does. You can only take them on the face of what they produced. And, you know, as in the case of Abzu, as in the case of the Beginner's Guide, as someone who does not know these people and is just looking at the game they produced, ugh, not a good feeling, not a good presentation, not a good summation of what they've delivered. And in both cases, I think both of those were were worthy of a refund. But, you know, people out there disagree. That's that's uh, that is for sure. That is the beauty of putting out a product of art is that uh, some people get it, some people don't, some people like it, some people don't. And it's not always you can get your money back. You buy the art and you experience it. And then that is what it is. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing, too, is like, you know, if I put my money down, I feel like I can say whatever the fuck I want about a game if I buy it. You know, it's like <laughs> I bought it. I got just as much right to spout off as anyone else. And my opinion is my opinion. Clearly, it's not the right opinion. Maybe people don't don't agree, but. You know, the idea that you can't say something about a game because because it's rude or because it's assuming something is bullshit. I mean, people have opinions about everything and especially about a product like this. I mean, games are art, sure, but they're also products. So I think it's fair to have any kind of opinion. So anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so, Corey, would you recommend Abzu to people or would you recommend it to maybe walking sim fans or maybe scuba diving fans or would you recommend it at all? <laughs> I mean, I would recommend it, but I would... I would recommend it with the caveat of, you know, telling people going into it to expect an experience similar to Journey, where it's just like uh, sit down for two to three hours and then you play it and it's done. Like there is a tiny, tiny bit of replay value in this game, but it's basically just like swimming extra to like explore and find a few like collectibles. So it's kind of like a one and done game, in my opinion, unless you just really enjoy the world that it presents and want to spend some time swimming underwater in it. Um, but I would just say I recommend it, but go in knowing that it's, you know, a short and sweet experience, which is fine because I like short games. I mean, I would play I would rather play 10 three hour games than one, you know, 100 hour game, unless it's the most amazing 100 hour game I've ever played in my life. But uh, yeah, I recommend it. But just, you know, go in knowing that that's what it is. Right on. Right on. I definitely agree with you about liking shorter games. I mean, I will say it's short. That is definitely in its favor that it didn't it didn't uh, go on for too long. Well, I mean, kind of went on for too long. But, you know, I get what you're saying. Short <laughs> game is definitely better. So. All right. Um, I think we are good on Abzu. I do not recommend it, but uh, that's fine. I think we all could have guessed that from my take. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on to the next game, which is one that I would like to talk about uh, briefly, perhaps. This is something that I mentioned on, I think, maybe one or two episodes ago. It's City of Love, which is on iOS. I think it may also be on Android. It's put out by Ubisoft, if I'm not mistaken. And it is basically a text adventure where you play the role of a woman. You know, now that I think about it, I don't know that they necessarily say you are a woman. Do you remember? Yeah, Corey? they do. Yeah, they do. Okay, I couldn't because tell whenever I'm... when you put your first and last name in, they refer to you as Ms. for the rest of the game. Ah, okay, good, good call, good call. You don't see yourself in this game. It's like a first-person uh, text adventure. Characters pop up and they talk to you. Basically, you are a person who's been um, called to Paris. I believe it's Paris, isn't it? Yeah, it's Paris. Paris. 
because you're you want to be hired for a magazine you get there and it turns out that you were brought to paris under false pretenses they don't want you to work at the magazine they actually want you to be kind of like an investigator to kind of unsolve this historical mystery and at the same time you are making friends and possibly instigating a romance with people that you meet um it's very cute i think the graphic style is very nice and it's very it's extremely simple basically just like little lines of text come up you read them characters on the screen have various facial animations and various expressions um, it's pretty attractive looking i think it's pretty cute and you have a certain number of choices that you can make the game says you can have I want to say six choices per day and they refresh every 24 hours, but it's kind of bogus because sometimes you're talking in a scene, you talk to somebody, you get done, that person leaves. And the only thing you can do is like advance to the next scene. Right. So like they call that a choice, like when the scene is over and you're like, oh, okay, I'm ready to go to the next scene and you push advance. Like they count that as a choice, which I think is kind of bogus. Also six choices in a day is not very much like they very clearly want you to put in a couple bucks to like keep the story moving along um which i have not paid yet but i have come back for a couple days in a row the story seems okay it looks visually attractive um it fills this little hole that i have like when i'm at work like if i don't have time to play puzzle quest or anything and i just need a couple minutes to to fill that time i can talk to somebody in that game and it seems okay i haven't really gotten to the meat of the story yet but I'm interested. Um, Corey, did you try City of Love? Yeah, I did. And uh, it's funny because you had mentioned it on the last show. And I thought, um, like, I thought, like, okay, maybe it's, I don't know, like, maybe I'll try it. So I downloaded it. And then you sent me an email, like, the next day. Because in the game, it's a free-to-play game, uh, if you didn't mention that already. And you can like recommend people play it. Like you can send people emails through the game to play it. And then you get extra like decision-making points in the game. So you send me an email for it. I got the, you know, the extra points and I started playing it, but I think you're probably a little farther than I am. I've only played it twice so far. Yeah. I'm not too far. I mean, I'm in chapter two and I think that so far there's only been like eight released. So, you know, basically about a quarter of the way through more or less. I mean, what do you think of like, um, the, the, the dialogue or the graphics, or, I mean, you said it's not quite your, your thing, but I mean, is it just, uh, like too romancy or is it just not into text adventure? Uh, I just think I'm not really interested in it like at all, basically. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I mean, like I, that's not saying it's a bad game or anything. Like I'm sure if people like, um, you know, romantic text adventures that this might be their thing, but, uh, I mean, the animations are cute. Like, I like... It, it's, it almost seems very, like, dream-like and whimsical because whenever you're talking to people, the camera kind of, like, bobs a little bit and they'll, like, put their hand on their hip or they'll, like, make, like, nice facial animations whenever they're saying stuff. But, I mean, the story is just kind of cheesy. Like, you know, you, you get whisked away to Paris to do this interview and, like, the editorial assistant at the magazine is, like, a total bitch and... And you have to like handle her, like you have to be nice, or you know you can be like rude back to her, or whatever. And then you and then you interview with like the head of the magazine, who's supposed to be this like dreamy French guy. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. But one thing that bothered me last night, I actually played it before I went to bed, um, is that I think uh, I was like literally like mid conversation with like the dreamy um, like editor guy, and. Uh, like we had not finished the scene at all we were like two questions into the scene that we were doing and then the game was like oh you used up all your decision making points and i was like 
what the fuck? Like, I'm in the middle of a scene. Like, you think they would at least be able to parse them out to where you could, like, finish a conversation with somebody before it moves on. But so that was a little bit off-putting. So I guess the next time I start it up, I'll be, like, jump, like, right back into the middle of a conversation. And I probably won't even, like, remember what I had said prior to going into that conversation. So I feel like it's the the way they pace it that way is a little awkward. Because, like you said, obviously they want you to spend a little bit of money on this game because I mean, it's not expensive. You pay a few bucks and you get like, you know, 10 choices or something, but I just not, the game's just not interesting enough for me to want to pay money to play more of it. I think. I agree. I think that they do that on purpose because I think they want to try to catch you in the middle of those scenes so that you will be more likely to continue what's going on, but it, it ends up giving it not a very good feeling. I think that's a really poor way to do it. Um, I, I have another game that I was going to bring up as a comparison, but I want to I want to finish something about this game first. Um, I'm not really into it either. It's just kind of like I said, just like, you know, if I have five minutes, I'll, I'll check in real quick. I usually go through those choice points really fast and if it's it's way too fast. Like it's not satisfying. Um, it, I think if they let you get a little bit deeper into it, like I'd be more inclined to maybe kick in a buck or two. But I feel like it's so short with how they, how little they let you play that it's more of a turnoff than it is an enticement to play. Um, but I will say... This is not really my kind of thing because I'm not super into like romance games or Otome games or something like that. Um, but I am a little bit curious as to what the main plot is going to be about because I do like kind of investigation games. But ironically, um, as you're playing as this female uh, reporter or whatever, you get to Paris and you meet your best friend and she's like this like really cute like Asian chick or something. And she's like, oh, let's go to a bar. I want to find my true love. Be my wingwoman and help me out and stuff. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. And so you go and hang out and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I wonder if you can swing. Is there like a lesbian option in this? Can we can we swing that way? Because <laughs> I probably would because you get to the, the reporter's office and like, you know, Mr. Dreamy comes up and he's like, hey, so and so I'm here. And do you believe in love? I'm like, fuck off, dude. I got no interest in you, buddy. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, like I'm totally doing like the whole hetero uh, hetero fight a scene fulfillment thing or whatever. So if there if you could like romance your girlfriend, I'd be like, oh, I might be kicking in a buck or two for that. But if, if it's about me trying to fall in love with this guy, that is not going to happen. Like he's like, oh, yeah, come meet me for lunch. I'm like, nah, later, bro. I'm busy. I got to go hang out with my girlfriend. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I doubt it's going to swing that way. And as soon as that option is ruled out, I probably will delete it. But I'm kind of playing it out to see how this goes. But um, while we're on the topic. This is kind of a sad thing. I, I was going to bring up as a comparison a game that was on iOS called Cause of Death. This one, um, amazingly enough, was put out by EA back in the day. I think it came out in 2014. It was basically a crime investigation drama where it was like a man and a woman. They were partners. And they would go out on these different cases that of like different serial killers. And it was basically the same thing. It was like a text adventure. But the writing was really, really good. Very snappy. Very funny writing. And instead of paying like per choice, the way that City of Love does, you just bought the episode and like an episode was like a dollar or two dollars and you could play through the entire episode, which was fine. Um, It was a branching path. So you could actually like fail the case or you could actually get killed if the killer killed you. You know, you made the wrong choices or something. It was really cool. And I remember at the time playing it, really liking it a lot. I think there was like 25 chapters or something to it. And like each one was like a different story. So there was a lot of content to go through. I got through maybe three or four of them, got distracted for some reason, um, forgot to come back to it, whatever, whatever. And now that I played City of Love, I'm like, oh, wait, Cause of Death. I never finished that. I want to go back to that because that was actually a better game, um, honestly. So I went to the iOS store to see if I could, um, you know, down. I had already paid for like the first three or four, like I said, and I want to get the rest of them. And it's been delisted. The fucking thing's not even on iOS anymore. Aww. And I was like, oh, my God. 
See, there's very few games on iOS that I really would feel sad about losing, but that was one that I genuinely really enjoyed and I really would like to come back to. And in fact, I, I enjoyed it so much. I full on reviewed, like gave it a full review at Game Critics for the first episode and I gave it a really positive review. So I'm really sad and I, it kind of made me wonder like how many other really good games are we losing on the iOS store or or on apps in general? I mean, I granted, I think to be fair, there's not very many really good games on iOS or mobile to, to start with, but there are some. And how many of those are just disappearing? Are they getting delisted because the developers don't want to keep up with, you know, the uh, the OS updates or or for whatever reason, you know, like, oh, man, I was so bummed. And I don't even know if there's any place you could ever play that game again. It seems like an awful shame that that game is just like gone, you know? Yeah, that's weird. It's like uh, it kind of reminds me of like Konami taking PT off the PlayStation 4. Like, because whenever you have a game, you just expect it to be there forever because you've already bought it and paid for it so it's really bizarre to see games just go away after you've already paid for them yeah i mean maybe there's some way for me to download what i've already paid for i haven't i mean i just went to the general um app store and it's not listed but i doubt i can get any of the other episodes like i'll, I'll never be able to finish that story i'll never be able to get more of those characters who i really enjoyed um i just it just seems like such a loss and how many how many other times is that happening? I mean, I think PT is another example. I have the PT demo on my PS4 and God forbid my PS4 hard drive ever crashes or anything because it'll be lost. Like you'll never be able to download it again. So, oh man, I mean, I know there's a lot of pluses to the electronic future, but at the same time, you know, this is this is a hardcore example of like, hey, this thing is electronic only and now it's gone. Like, I guess forever. I mean, if anybody out there knows how I can continue cause of death, please let me know because I would love to finish that. Anybody at EA or anybody who's worked on that game, please um, drop me a line. In fact, now that I think about it, I think I may even know somebody who has worked on it. So maybe I'll shoot them a line. But <laughs> you should anyway. like, search online message boards or something. I bet you could find something on the Internet if you looked hard enough. I bet. I bet. Because, you know, those were those are really good games. Anyway, Cause of Death. I don't know if it's gone forever, but that was a really good text adventure. Um, City of Love. I'm going to keep playing it for a while. I am not convinced to put any money into it yet. I will keep going do my six choices a day and see what happens. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to recommend it, but I'm curious. So I guess if you're curious about romancy, possible and, you know, mystery games, text, really light, easy to play on iOS. Check it out. Corey, you gonna, you gonna delete it? Uh, I'll probably delete it. I mean, it's free. So that's like the biggest recommendation we could possibly give it. I mean, if you want to try it, you can play the first, like, I mean, you can play like 30 minutes or so on your first uh, like on your first go at it. And that's probably enough to figure out if you're going to like it or not, if you want to try it. Very true. Very true. So check it out. It is free. You don't lose anything. And moving on to our next topic, um, while we're kind of talking about iOS, uh, I played a game a while ago called Squids, which was really great. One of uh, the best iOS games I've ever played. That was put out by a studio who has a new game which has absolutely nothing to do with squids called fury and Corey, you have played fury have you not i have every time i look at this game i want to call it furry instead of fury <laughs> <laughs> that would be an entirely different game and one which i'm sure would have much support on the internet oh god well this is uh i probably should have looked up the release date and stuff for this game because fury is out on ps4 i don't know i don't even know what other is it ps4 exclusive do you know no i believe it's on other systems and uh, i think it's on pc as well Gotcha. Okay. It is, um, it's a game where basically I think it kind of got famous last year because didn't it hit PlayStation plus for free, right? Yeah, it did. 
So that's kind of, I feel like that's when it gained some ground because a bunch of people I knew from the Twitterverse had started playing it at the same time. But it hit PS Plus for free a while, like probably like six months ago or so. And it's been sitting around on my PlayStation hard drive and I've never tried it because from what I had heard about it, it didn't seem like the kind of game I would like because basically you play as this like, it's like a third person. It's kind of just like a boss fight game where you are this guy who's in prison and the graphics are really neat. It's kind of like cell shaded kind of. And uh, you, you're you in this, like, mythological prison, and then you break out, and you basically just have to, like, fight your way through all the guards that are in, that are guarding the prison, and it's, like, one kind of big boss fight after another, and uh, the guy that you play as, he has, like, a little pistol, and he can shoot these, like, little energy orbs for a ranged attack, he can do a charged ranged attack, he has a sword to do, like, up-close sword attacks, he can, like, parry and counter, um, and he can, like kind of like do like little teleportation dashes around around the battlefield and most of the fights take place in like a pretty big circular um like fighting arena and it's just you and the boss as far as i've played um for every fight and uh this is one of those games that kind of like prides itself on being difficult or at least for me um and, and those are the kind of games that I have a hard time getting into because, you know, I like, you know, a bit of health challenge in games, but I'm certainly like the last person you'll find playing like Dark Souls over and over and over again, you know, because that's just not really my kind of thing. Um, I don't like games to be like super duper hard. Um, and Fury kind of was, I mean, the first boss fight is like a tutorial and I got through it and it was fine. And then, like, the second boss fight, I just kept dying and dying and dying. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the second fight of the game. Like, this is ridiculous. But the boss fights last, like, 20 minutes. They're, like, like the boss has, like, five or six life bars. And every time you knock a life bar off, they usually, like, transform or they unleash some kind of different attack pattern or something like that. And uh, the character you play as also has, I think, like, four or five life bars. And the shitty thing for me was... Every time, uh, I'm going to see if I can get this right. Every time the the boss knocks one of your life bars off, their life bar completely recharges for that, um, for like that bar, not the whole thing, but just like that bar. So what kept happening in the second boss fight for me is I would keep um, getting the boss down to like 10% of their health on their current bar. And then they would knock one of my bars off and then their bar would completely recharge. And I was like, you know what? This is like, this is just like fucking bullshit. Like, I, I know it's like one of those games where it's supposed to be hard and all that stuff, but I just really wasn't feeling it. But luckily the game has an easy mode and easy mode disables you from getting trophies at all. And it gives bosses only like half their normal, um, their normal health bars and like your attacks do more damage and stuff like that. So I reluctantly switched over to easy mode and and honestly like easy mode is like too easy like it, there's not like a good middle ground there it's either way too hard or it's way too easy because I was beating I beat like three bosses in a row and like 20 minutes on easy mode and on hard or on regular mode or whatever that would have like one of those bosses probably would have taken me like 20 minutes you know 30 minutes depending on how many times I died so I was like come on, like, can we get, like, a nice middle ground here? Like, it's it's either way too hard or it's way too easy, and I'm not the kind of person that wants to put in a ton of time and energy just to beat one boss. Like, that's not really the way I like to play games. Um, so that's kind of what I thought about it. Brad, I think, have you played this, right? Yeah, I have. I played it when um, it originally came out. I mean, I it first caught my attention because, like I said at the top of the segment, uh, I was a big fan of Squids on iOS where you actually play as Squids who kind of pinball around undersea 
um, totally nothing at all like Fury, but I thought it was really interesting <laughs> that these developers would do such a, a giant departure. Um, so I checked it out and I knew it was a boss rush kind of game. And that, that kind of is okay with me. Like I'm okay with boss rushes when they're done well, but um, this one had a number of factors uh, kind of working against it. I think first off, just, I'm not a fan of the graphics and character design. And that is actually one of the, the I guess the selling points of the game, because it was done by the same guy who did Afro Samurai. So, I mean, that that property has a pretty good following. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of that, but I knew of it. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of the same guy. I, I just didn't like the visuals, though. Like, the visuals did not click with me, not my style. So it's really tough for me to get into a game if I don't like the visuals, because, you know, video games. Um, I have, like, an art background. I, you know, I, I'm really interested in the way things look and the aesthetics of things. And so I just, I just couldn't click with it on that level. But... Um, apart from that, like, I just, I mean, kind of like you, I felt like it was really too hard. I felt like the bosses were just really frustrating. It was kind of, um, I, you know, I just didn't want to, like you said, I didn't want to put that much time into it because I wasn't, um, committed to it. Like I kind of picked it up, you know, for free, like a lot of people did. And I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. I'll just give it a whirl. And hopefully, you know, hoping I was going to just, you know, kind of go through it in a day or two quickly, kind of a one and done sort of experience. Um, I just, I just wasn't interested in like mastering the patterns and, you know, sharpening my reflexes and fighting these really, really, really long bosses where if you die to do the whole thing over again, feels like kind of a setback. Um, on top of that, like the story didn't really click with me either. Like, you know, you're like this, some kind of prisoner and you're trying to escape this like concentric rings of a prison. And I mean, it, kind of an okay concept, but like when you get to the cutscenes, it was just really bizarre and none of it made sense. It was really esoteric and it just did not hook me. Like none of it really clicked with me and I just did not want to put any more time into it. I bailed about, well, I don't know how many bosses there are in total, but I think I got about maybe four or five deep. And then I hit one that was just really, really hard and I'm like, forget it. I'm just, I'm just going to move on. So I, I did not stick with it. And for me, it was kind of a fail. Well, uh, I guess we're kind of in agreement then. I mean, I feel like that this game has a very specific audience, and I feel like the people who play it and who like it will probably like it a lot, like the kind of people who... Yeah, which is weird for me, because I know you like... I, I hate... You know, we both hate comparing everything to the Souls games, but, like, you're the kind of person that enjoys, like, a healthy challenge like the Souls games gives. I'm not necessarily that person, so I'm, like, a little surprised that you bounced off of this so quickly. Yeah, it was something about it. Like, it just didn't feel like um, I didn't really have a good footing on it. Like, I felt like it got too hard too fast without really um, me getting my head into the game, basically. Like, it was just like, hey, here's this really hard thing and just, you know, do your best and, you know, react fast and dodge and here's all these different moves and, oh, no, you died. Oh, I'll try again. You know, like, I know that Souls kind of gets... Um, a rap as being really hard, but I feel like, and, and they are, they're hard games for sure. Uh, but I feel like once you understand the systems, like you can go at your own pace, you have a lot of options, you can play the way that you want to play. You can dial back if you want to, to dial back. This one was just basically like get in, you know, balls deep twitch as much as you can. <laughs> Hopefully your reflexes will carry you through. And I just, nah, just, I don't like hard games that are just hard. Like there's gotta be something else along with them. Souls has like some supporting stuff that I think is really great to systems and, and some of the world design and stuff. Other difficult games that I really enjoy have great art, great characters or another great hook. This one just it needed more than what it was offering me. Like just just challenge is not enough for me. So nah, I, hard pass. Well, um, I don't really I, I think it's worth mentioning, though, too. Something I forgot to mention earlier is that um, 
for for what I've played of it so far, the game has no like like RPG elements, I guess is the best way I could describe it because basically you're given your skill set at the beginning of the game and then you, that's all you have. Like there's no other playable characters. You don't like level up your sword or level up your health bars or whatever. It's just like you playing as the exact same static character for every single boss fight in the game, which is also maybe a point not in its favor because maybe if you could be able to like level certain things up or uh you know like expand your move set or something like maybe that would make it a little bit better i think yeah yeah i think some customization would be good it would give you a little bit of ownership of the character and also like that kind of customization would also help you learn the character more um some of the moves just i just had a hard time clicking into it and it's a very demanding game even on easy i know you said it was a lot easier but even on easy i felt like there was certain fights where i was like ah this is like like one notch too hard for me. Like I just I kind of just don't care, you know. Like I can <laughs> I can beat hard games like no problem, but just it's it's if I want to, and I just never wanted to in this game, you know. Just wasn't mentally mentally engaged. Well, I don't uh, I don't think I have anything else I want to say about Fury. Me neither, my friend. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. So this was kind of a weird week, and I feel kind of bad because we're only on to like episode whatever. What, what episode is this? What are 19. we on? Nineteen. Nineteen. So we're still relatively young in the show, but it, unfortunately, I started a couple of big games um, before we got too far into recording. And people have heard us mention this like basically every episode, but I'm still playing Let It Die and I'm still not finished with Yakuza. Um, so I think that because I'm tied up in those games, it's really hampering my ability to play other things. I was going to play a couple of uh, new games that we just got in for review, but like I was really busy this weekend with some real life stuff. I had some family stuff going on. And by the time it came time to record, I just hadn't got around to anything else. So I apologize for that. But it kind of got me thinking that we could parlay this into kind of a segment. I mean, um, to start things off, I do want to touch on Let It Die again. Um, I think that game is great. I know you didn't care for it that much, but the developers have been working on it. They've made some changes to the formula. Some of the hard things have been dialed back a little bit. There have been some uh, adjustments to how the game works. I think it's coming along really well. And it's a really kind of a long-term game if your name is not Darren Foreman. Um, for those who don't know, Darren Foreman is one of the staff writers at Game Critics. He beat the game, I think, in like two weeks or something. He went a little bit crazy and he just like stayed up all night and all day, was really addicted to it just like I am. But he like went full bore and he beat it like really, really quickly, probably quicker than anybody else I, I know of on Twitter. Um, so I've been playing it for about two months and I'm not done, not quite done with it yet, but I'm in the home stretch and I'm just so committed. Like I really, really want to finish it because it would be a, a terrible shame if I did not finish it after putting all this time in. So I'm getting really close. Uh, I'm feeling good about it, still enjoying it, uh, and I'm liking it. But it kind of made me think, you know, this is one of those situations for me where I just, I just, it, it sucks that I feel like I should have finished it already and I just can't get it done yet. You know, like I hate to have a game hang around that long uh, because it's not really all that long. I just don't have a lot of time to devote to it. And it's also one of those games where we have to level up a lot to advance. And so that kind of slows it down a little bit more. Um, I think if I had been a younger man or if I had had more free time, I probably would have been done with it and, and been able to move on. Um, but it just kind of made me think, uh, you know, we all have these games where we like them, but for whatever reason, we just, we just can't seal the deal. We can't get them done. We can't finish them off for whatever reason. And I think that you, Corey, are going to be talking about, uh, Resident Evil 7. I know you finished it, but you've been playing a little bit more and I do want to hear about that. Um, but before we get to that segment, I do want to give people a heads up. Um, when Corey does get to his Resident Evil 7 segment, 
We will be doing some spoilers on that. So we decided to hold that off until the very end of the show. Uh, we will give you a big uh, spoiler warning before Corey starts talking about it. So feel free to listen now and you can continue all the way until the end. And then when we get to Corey's seven, uh, Resident Evil 7, we will give the heads up. But um, for now, we went to Twitter and we asked people, hey, do you have a game that you really like and you just can't get it finished for whatever reason? I want to hear about it because I need to commiserate with somebody. I need to have some of my guilt assuaged. I feel really bad that I have not been able to move on yet, and I really, really want to, but I can't. So let's let's commiserate here. Um, and we got a bunch of comments. A lot of people actually um, shared the games that they really liked and could not finish. Uh, so let's let's jump into some comments. Corey, you want to start off? Sure. Um, our first one from Papaya Chemist, <laughs> which is a funny name. Um, Snyder or Sindar S Y N D A R R on Twitter. Um, says demon souls i make some progress at an obstacle bang my head against it for a while then put the game down to give myself a rest and end up not picking it up again until months later and of course by then i've lost my momentum and have to relearn how to play it oh man that is a perfect example because that is very much how i feel about let it die like with souls um and there's some similarities to let it die and i feel like if you lose your momentum in those games oh my god like it's over like you gotta just keep pushing forward so sindar i totally hear you um souls and stuff like let it die you gotta just hang in there I, oh man oh, oh stopping is deadly in those games um next comment comes from kelsey lewin who is kels lewin on twitter she's also uh the host of the game blitz podcast fellow podcaster what up kelsey uh she says uh trails of cold steel 2 first one took me forever too it's just a long ass rpg with so many side quests oh feel that pain oh for sure I mean, I love a good ass RPG, so that sounds good. Oh, wait. Is that a genre? Because I would play some ass <laughs> RPG. Wait, wait, wait. Let me Google this real quick. Oh, wait. Safe search off. Let's check. Okay. <laughs> next next comment. We better move on. All right. All right. Um, the next one is, I don't even know how to pronounce this person's name. Um, oh, God. P-S-T-I-D-R-D-N. Uh uh, says Pillars of Eternity, both due to length and free time at the comp. I'm assuming that means at the computer. Yeah, and shout out to, I don't know how to pronounce it either. I always pronounce it Pesty Durden. I don't know if that's correct or not, <laughs> but uh, this person is a longtime supporter of Game Critics, always retweets all of our articles and stuff. So thanks so much for all the support and for all the listening. Triple A Gold Star fan, Pesty Durden. Thanks very much, man. Uh, next comment comes from uh, Doc Brown PhD on Twitter. Uh, Carlo, who is uh, another podcaster. Boy, we got podcast love in the house tonight. He is one half of the Right Stick podcast, which is currently one of my favorites. Uh, not just saying that because he gave us a, a comment, but <laughs> his show, which he does with uh, Willie Beans, is really good. Very snarky, but very smart. Um, very straightforward and honest. I definitely recommend the Right Stick. So give them a listen if you need to add something to your podcast feed. Uh, Doc Brown says Final Fantasy. I, I want to call it 25. It's 25. not 25. Final <laughs> Fantasy 25. Why do I want to call it 25? Fuck. Uh, he says, I made the mistake of trying to see all the side quests, but they killed the pacing for me. So now I'm having a hard time getting back to the main story. I forgot what was going on, which, you know, God, that is so true. Have you ever had that experience, Corey, like in an RPG or other other game? You know, I actually, uh, I can't remember what game I did this with the other day, but I, oh, I think it was, um, last night I had a hankering to play Samir's Edge Catalyst, which is kind of off the wall, but, uh, I didn't really have anything to play and I just put it in. And this happens a lot in video games where you play it and then you, you go back to play it and you just like totally forget like, like the, like the tutorial mechanics and the controls and, uh, or like what's going on in the story. I feel like. 
there needs to be like a start menu option where it could just be like, okay, give me like a quick like three minute tutorial before I jump back into this game because I haven't played it for like six months or something. And uh, I feel like games need to do that. I agree. And some of the best games do that. Like Witcher 3 did that, which I really appreciated because you could get really sidetracked in Witcher 3. And, um, you know, like I'm still playing through Yakuza 0 and that's a really story heavy game. But there's such a disparity between the main quest and the side quest. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like the main quest is super serious crime drama, machismo, pathos, like really, you know, intense the side quests are fucking goofy as shit. Like they, <laughs> you get like these, um, there's one side quest is like this girl is selling dirty panties and you got to stop her Ew. from selling her panties. There's one where this guy wants you to find the phone numbers of adult performers that are in the area. There's one where you're like um, rescuing a girl from a cult and they have nothing to do with the main quest at all. They're just totally peripheral and they're all funny and enjoyable. But like if you get deep in those side quests, like I, like I have, um, you come back to the main story and I'm like, wait a minute. Who, who was what I was, wait, who did, I uh, forget. And they do try to catch you up. There's some text and stuff, which is a great help. I appreciate that. And it's, it's pretty vital because I would have been lost otherwise. But yeah, it would be nice if every game kind of included a, your story thus far sort of thing. So anyway, what's the, uh, what's the next comment we got there, Corey? Uh, next up is, um, God, I don't know how to print. You always give me the people whose names I don't know how to pronounce. Sorry. Um, their, their Twitter <laughs> account is, w s i o n y n w like uh i don't i'm not even gonna uh, his name's his, i know his name's william um i don't know how to pronounce that particular twitter handle was oh my god it's, it's pretty close i'm, I'm close All right. well william i'm just gonna call you william um i tend to get games done in decent time if i stick to them but a few I start come off and struggle to get back into, such as The Witcher 3, Her Story, Mad Max, probably a few others I've forgotten about. Yep. It's that thing again. You got to keep that momentum going. That's for sure. Uh, next one comes from uh, frequent listener and friend of the show, Hops and Heroes, says The Witcher, Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. It's too big, but in a great way. Uh, agreed. It is too big and it's also great. It's, it's amazing, which also leads into a very similar comment from uh, a friend of the show and game critics writer, Michael Cunningham, also known as final max storm on Twitter, who says, uh, let's see. Uh, he says only if not actually getting around to starting the Witcher three counts as something that didn't get finished. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you guys are both having problems with Witcher three. I feel ya. I feel ya. I took like a six month break from Witcher three cause it was too big, but I came back to it. And was really glad that I did. But you didn't. You did not care for Witcher Three, did you, Corey? No, I. Pl- I mean, I gave it a shot. I only played it for like an hour, though. But it's just not. It, it, like I'm not. I've said this like a, ten times before on the podcast. But I'm not into the whole like swords and magic and you, just like that kind of like elves and stuff. Like I like the science fiction side of fantasy, not like the dragons and magic side of fantasy. Totally. So I just wasn't really into it, and. And uh, I mean, if I'm not into a game to start with, I'm certainly not going to pour, you know, another 90 hours into it if I'm not really into it from the start. But uh, I respect the game for what it is, but it's just not my bag. Right on, right on. I have to ask you, though, I know um, some of my gay friends who have played The Witcher think that Geralt is really hot. Is he hot on your scale or is he not hot? No, he's not hot at all. Oh, interesting. Okay, not hot. Double fail for The Witcher 3. Damn. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do we what do we got next? Uh, next up is Mikey, uh, pass them sticks with two S's on Twitter. Um, 
He said, Define finish. I enjoyed The Witcher 3, may never return to beat it after 60 hours of playing. I still intend to go back to Metal Gear Solid 5 to max it, even though I've already beaten it. But one thing, important thing to point out, though, is I believe Mikey, if I'm not mistaken, is one of those guys who, like, platinum trophies every single game he plays is that do you is that right brad do you know yes yes i was just gonna say that this is a crazy comment from him because uh he's not gonna come back to the witcher which i mean again i mean the witcher seems to be coming up quite a bit in this this segment of games we can't finish and understandably so but yeah this is the dude that fucking platinums like all these crazy ass games which i don't even think are really good and sometimes he doesn't even (laughs) think they're really good and he still platinums them and i'm like man how can you pour some time into platinum some shit? And like The Witcher 3 is like amazing. And he even says he enjoyed it. Mikey, dude, come on. You got to come back and finish. Geralt's waiting for you, buddy. Get back there. Well, my question here is um, if all of these people are not finishing The Witcher, then how good really is it? If dude, they don't want to finish it. No, it is amazing. Like I see. OK, so this is OK. Sidebar tangent. Yeah. So like I start The Witcher 3. I think it's amazing. And it is long. It's huge, dude. Like I played, I think. I want to say I played like 50 or 60 or 70 hours the first time was not even like not even halfway done. But I thought every minute of it was fucking amazing. Like I thought it was so good. Like the story was great. Characters great. Quests are really interesting. But there is just so much of it. It was like it's so big that it's too much game to handle. But it's you don't want to miss anything because every single thing that you do is awesome. Like I, I never wanted to skip a side quest because everyone was great. And I'm like, I, okay, so I'm in a, I'm in a quandary. I, I, I can't play this anymore because it's worn me out physically, but I don't want to miss anything because it's all so good. So therefore I got to just, I don't know, just put it in stasis for a while. I know a lot of people who could not get through it just straight through. And that makes total sense. It's just so enormous, but it is so good. Like, it's just, it's like sitting in front of like a giant, like, you know, the most delicious, like chocolate cake in the world or something. It's like, <laughs> it's all yours and you got it. You can eat as much as you want and you want to eat it all, but you just fucking can't eat it all. Like you got to just stop after a while, you know, and you don't want to throw it away. Like you're not going to throw that cake away. You're going to need to surrender. You're going to wrap it up, put it in the fridge or whatever. Keep it for later. You're going to come back to it because you want more, but you just don't want more now. You know, like it's, it's still good, but you just, you got to stop. It's one of those things. It's like the, like the most delicious chocolate cake of video gaming. This is like, there are so many that's what she said and that's what he said jokes just floating around in the ethos during this conversation. Ah. <laughs> it's so big and so great, but I just can't take it all at once. I just have to take a break and come back to it. Oh, uh, that's good. Oh, man. I wish you hadn't said that because now I've got all sorts of imagination going. Man, this is, this is going to get distracted now. I can't believe you didn't think of that first. I, well, I was thinking of chocolate cake, but now that you've got me on this other tangent, yeah, I can see how there's there's definitely comedic potential here. Um, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. We got we, we haven't had very many dick jokes this, uh, not very many sex jokes this episode. I'm kind of disappointed. I think the fans are probably disappointed too. We're let, we're letting them down. I mean, maybe. Well, maybe. what's what's next, Brad? What's next? Maybe. Uh, this comes from uh, at. F- I want to say it's Finder. F I N D A E R. Finder. Finder. Um, if you guys are listening, please let us know how to pronounce your Twitter name because we're just taking a stab at some of these and I really don't want to massacre them. So please let us know if we're getting it wrong. Um, this person says Dragon Age Inquisition, so many little things to do, combat uninspiring, stuck in a boring political section. And yet I feel like I need to press on because I enjoyed some story beats and generally love Bioware's format. Did you play? You're not a Dragon Age guy, are you? No, because it's fantasy. You probably don't like it. That is correct. Okay. I... I liked the first Dragon Age. I thought it was great. Dragon Age 2 sucked. And I 
fucking hated Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> Finder, you have my full permission to just fucking stop playing that game. I, that game's garbage. I don't care what anybody says. That game is garbage. Um, okay, I, I could go on, but Corey, next next comment. This is from Hargrada. Uh, Hargrada. Is that right? Hargrada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, friend okay. of Game Critics for a long time. What up, dude? Um, it says, enter the Gungeon sits on my PS4 as my current evergreen game. It's something I'll play off and on over a long period of time without ever fully beating it. Um, just something I can dive into between releases or when I don't have anything else on game-wise, which is smart. Um, I kind of wish I had an evergreen game. I mean, I'm sure I could dig one up if I, like, really wanted to. Um, but that's smart to have something to just, like, keep on rotation in the background whenever you don't have, like, big other games to worry about. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, I mean, Marvel Puzzle Quest kind of fills that gap for me. But also, I think Darkest Dungeon on PS4 kind of fills that gap for me where it's just like, oh, my God, it just would take a jillion years to finish that game. But I really, really like it. And I just I put about 50 hours into it and had to stop. But I think it's one of those ones where there's a patch coming for it pretty soon, some DLC. I'll jump back in. But it's got to be one of those where I'll, I'll play like half an hour here, an hour there, and maybe I'll finish it, maybe I won't, but I think that'll be kind of an evergreen for me. It's good to have something uh, just kind of simmering in the background. So, for sure. I hear you, Hargrata. I hear you. Uh, next question, or next comment, excuse me, comes from Cassandra Ramos, who is at Barry Eggs on Twitter, and she says, Boktai 2. Even when the weather is adequate, it's usually the furthest thing from my mind. Oh my god, Boktai. Corey, do you, have you played Boktai? Is that the Game Boy one where you have to use like the sun sensor for it? Yeah, this talking is, about yeah, weather wise. Yeah, okay. yeah. This is from Hideo Kojima. You play a kid who is a vampire hunter, and the the twist was I had a fucking light sensor on the goddamn thing. So like, you literally had to go outside. Like you needed if you, you the character needed to be in the sunlight when the vampires are weaker. You got to get your fucking ass outside in the sunlight <laughs> to be out there. And if it's dark, you're playing inside. It's fucking dark in the game. And the vampires are stronger. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you ever play this? I don't think so. Oh, my God. I played Boktai 1 and 2. Um, really good games. Really enjoy them. But that light sensor is a fucking bitch. Oh, I hate it because <laughs> I don't want to fucking go outside when I'm playing games. And plus, I live in Washington. <laughs> It's fucking cloudy it's all like the cloudy damn time. It's like cloudy and rainy all the time. How yeah, do you play all the it fucking there? time. Oh my god, dude! I totally remember this one time. Like true fucking story. I was close to the end of Boktai. I think it was Boktai too, as a matter of fact. And I needed to fight the last boss when it was sunny because you know, like I said, vampire. The vampires are weaker in the sunlight. You needed the actual, like literal sunlight. And I waited and waited, and it was just rainy and cloudy for like weeks, and I just could not get it done. And just like lights don't work, like uh, like you know, a lamp inside the house doesn't work. Um, so I waited and waited and waited. And then finally, finally, it was like, I think it was like three weeks after I got to that point, we had like a really sunny day, but around my house, it was not sunny enough. So I got in my fucking car and I drove like 20 miles away to like uh, downtown or whatever, where there was a place I knew that'd be pretty open. And I parked and I just like stood in a fucking parking lot and played the game in the fucking parking lot <laughs> so I could get it done. I mean, what a fucking pain in the ass, dude. I did finish it though. And I mean, interesting experience, but man, fuck you, Kojima. That was, that was really, really fucking awkward. So anyway, anyway, yeah, I hear you, Cassandra. That is a really good call. Um, last comment, Corey, last comment. This is from Strident. Um, Strident is a good guy. I like him. Um, he says, every so often I go back to Half-Life 2, which I've been slowly inching my way through for 10 years. I've hated every single second I've played so far. I cannot <laughs> figure out if he's being serious or not on this response. I think he's fucking serious, dude. I think he's serious. I mean, 
wow, 10 years chipping through? That's some dedication, dude. I mean, although, honestly, you probably should just get it done. Because even if you hate it, after 10 years, just finish it, bro. And you can well, at least... Okay. I I threatened from the So Video Games Twitter account to block him from our account after he said this, and as a joke, of course. And he said to me in response that he had finished episode one and two, but had not finished the actual Half-Life 2 game, which is totally mind-boggling for me because the gameplay of Half-Life 2 does not change in episode one and two. It's like the exact same kind of gameplay. So why would he be able to make it through? I mean, I know they're shorter, but why would he be able to make it through those but not make it through the original game? Because the gameplay is the fucking same. It's not like it changes. So what? what is the deal, Strident? What is the deal? <laughs> we want to know inquiring minds want to know that is a really good question because i would be inclined to agree with you sir um i have finished all those games i'm not a fan of them but i have finished them and if you can finish one you can finish the rest because i mean i think they're all basically like you said pretty much the same so strident i know you're listening brother i know you're listening i know you're on twitter reach out and let us know what is the difference i would be very curious just like Corey is very curious what is why did you not get this done what's up what's up tell us so hopefully we'll hear back from Strident. We will report if he does get back to us, which I'm sure he will. <laughs> um, so to get back to the original thing, which kicked this off of games that we kind of are still kind of chewing on. Uh, I think we're going to talk about Corey and Resident Evil 7. And this is your spoiler warning, people. If you do not want to be spoiled on Resident Evil 7, if you have not finished it, or if you just don't want to know, please stop listening now. The only thing left is Resident Evil 7 comments, and then we're going to sign off. So you've basically heard the entire show. Uh, otherwise, if you don't mind being spoiled or if you've already beaten the game, please continue to listen. But this is your final spoiler warning. And after this, it's coming up. So, Corey, Resident Evil 7, you're still working on it. Let's have it, bro. What's going on? I feel like Oprah Winfrey just introduced the segment for me from that. <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil 7 for you and Resident <laughs> Evil 7 for you and Resident <laughs> Evil 7 for you for everybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, I uh, I finished Resident Evil 7 for the second time a few nights ago. And like I said before, I think Resident Evil 7 is a fine game. I don't... The, the first hour of it, I think, is terrible. And I think the last hour is not very good either. But everything in the middle is, like, pretty excellent, you know, survival horror goodness, like, more or less. Um, but one thing that I thought was interesting about playing Resident Evil 7 a second time is that... For the most part, Resident Evils have always been pretty good about, like, replayability. I mean, usually when you beat a game, you get, a, like, a new, like, gun or a new, like, like thing you can use. Or um, there's, like, a new game plus mode. Like, Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6 all had new game plus where you um, get to take your, like, fully leveled up weapons from the last game and bring them into the new game and stuff like that, which I think is great. I love new game plus in any game. And Resident Evil 7 does not have new game plus but it does give you little items after you beat the game like uh after you use this like really powerful handgun at the very very end of resident evil 7 and then it gives you like a slightly altered version of it to start um your second playthrough with which is pretty cool um because it makes things a little bit easier and there's a lot of stuff floating around on the internet about different stuff that it gives you and what um what like criteria you have to meet in order to get the things. Cause I guess there's like a melee, like hand saw that you can get to use, which I don't have yet after beating the game twice. And there's like a defense, uh, like mod thing you can get, but this is kind of beside the point. Um, 
But I finished it, and what I really wanted to say was, um, my first playthrough was like 12 hours long. My second playthrough was only like six or seven hours long. So the game goes a lot faster the second time you play it, mostly because you like you know what the fuck you're doing. But um, I, I think my big takeaway from playing it the second time is noticing how like unreplayable Resident Evil 7 is. And I'm sure people out there will disagree with me on this, but Resident Evil 7, most of its scariness comes from the atmosphere that it sets up and sort of like the exploration that you do in the different um, like house areas that you're in for the game, which is fine. Cause I'm all about like high, um, you know, like high atmosphere and like dreadful atmosphere. Like that's great. But what I realized the second time through the game was there's actually like a pretty long segment, like right in the middle of the game where nothing's really attacking you. I mean, which is kind of fine because, you know, I've said before, I'm not into the dead space type of, of survival horror where every room is just 15 enemies you have to kill. Then the game, you know, says that that's a horror game. I don't think that's right. But uh, but there's like a, a lot of segments in the game where there's nothing attacking you. So I would just like dash around the areas that I was playing in, you know, and try to like solve these little puzzles and give them point A to point B and, um, you know, pick up the things I needed. And I have to say on my second time through, it kind of like diminished a lot of the initial sort of like atmosphere and tension that I that I had from the first game, because it's just like you kind of like know, like, you know, what's coming, you know, like when little like sound cues are going to happen that are supposed to scare you um, or like certain jump scares and and like you basically figure out that there's like a giant section in the middle of the game where not a whole lot attacks you um so i don't know like i felt like uh, like slightly let down on my second playthrough because i i mean it was still good but i mean resident evil 4 i i mean i know resident evil 4 is a completely different beast than resident evil 7 and it's also i would not classify resident evil 4 as like a classic survival horror game but i mean i've played resident evil 4 probably like 20 or 30 times i've played resident evil 5 like probably like six times i've played resident evil 6 twice which i don't like resident evil 6 but i've still played through it twice um just because it's fun to play through the game again with your new game plus and all that stuff and those games are less about horror and more about action but even like the resident evil remake on uh like that was on gamecube that came out on xbox one and playstation 4 um like i've played the remake several times and that's you know classic survival horror but there's just like some tension that gets lost in the second playthrough of Resident Evil 7 from like realizing that that, uh, you know, there's a big segment where stuff doesn't attack you. And, you know, the atmosphere kind of lets up because you kind of know what's happening through the whole through the whole game. And uh, I don't know, it was just kind of kind of disappointing. Um, well, interesting. It seems like this is a game where I mean, uh, so I guess there's kind of something to like the not knowing or the discovery. I mean, I'm sure the first time through you're very scared. You're constantly wondering what's around the corner. And then once you know, maybe it turns out that there's, I mean, is there not really that much gameplay? It's just a lot of suspense. And then once you know what is or is not coming, that suspense is gone. Does that mean that there's just not really a whole lot left to Resident Evil 7 then? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it felt. I mean, there's just not, I, I kind of wish that they would have thrown a little bit of like, like random stuff in. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't. It's hard for me to say, but 
I mean, like in the Resident Evil remake, a, a perfect example of a way that they keep the tension up in that game is, first of all, it, it has like fixed cameras and tank controls. So it's kind of hard to attack enemies, which sounds bad, but I actually think that's good because finely tuned combat um, is not great for survival horror games because you want like to be there. You want there to be a margin of error in the combat, because um, if you can just snap aim and headshot everything, then the game is not fun, nor is it scary. Um, but Resident Evil Remake had uh, Crimson had zombies where if you killed a zombie and did not burn their body, um, and if you came back to the room enough times, eventually the zombie would get back up and be like way faster and more powerful and attack you. But there was an element of randomness to where you did not know when that zombie was going to get back up. So every time you went back into the room, you would be scared, or I was scared at least, because maybe this was the time that the zombie was going to get back up and start dashing at you, and you would have to run your ass off to get out of that room or try to attack it. Um, and Resident Evil 7 just doesn't really have anything like that. Like, once you get used to the kind of horror and atmosphere that it's doing, it's just not really scary anymore, um, I guess. Well, that makes sense. I mean, um, I so two things. First off, uh, you watch a lot of horror movies or you don't? I mean, I know you like horror games, but do you watch horror movies? I don't. I mean, I watched, back in the day, I watched a lot of classic horror movies. Like, I love um, the Halloween movies, um, but that's pretty much it's for me because i feel like new horror quote unquote isn't really nearly as good as like old school horror was i kind of feel the same way about video games but i don't really watch new horror movies much interesting well i was going to ask you if like movies had like lost their value upon rewatching, but i guess if you don't watch a lot of horror then maybe that's kind of a moot point but but um you know i i get what you're saying and i think that in a certain way i kind of see what capcom is doing i mean i think suspense is really great and then once you know what's coming. I mean, it's hard to keep somebody in suspense after they've already been through a game. So I understand the problem that they're facing. Um, I think that they tried to solve some of that, um, you know, I guess possible lack of replay with some of the DLC. They've got a pretty robust DLC schedule coming out. Have you dipped into any of this DLC at all to kind of give the, the game more life now that you've completed it? You know, that's actually a really good point. Um, I had forgotten about that, but whenever I uh, originally bought Resident Evil 7, I was like, I was going to buy the, I guess like the... I don't know what it's called, like the 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 edition that had the DLC packed in or like the season pass packed in, um, yeah. not the collector's edition, but whatever. Um, I was going to buy that, but they didn't have a hard copy version of that at the Target I went to. Target doesn't carry it, and that's where I bought the game. So I had like gone back and forth on trying to decide if I wanted to buy the season pass because the season pass is $30. And the really dumb thing about the way they priced Resident Evil for me was the the limited edition version of Resident Evil 7 that had the season pass packed in is the same fucking price as buying the regular game and buying the season pass. You'd think they would have taken like $10 off or something to make it feel like it was worth it, but that's that's a little bit beside the point. But uh, I've been thinking about buying the DLC, but I'm just not quite like, I just haven't made up my mind. Um, But I think it might be one of those things where I just wait for like the season pass to go on sale or for the DLC to go on sale. Cause I know even if it's like a year from now at some point, it's all going to go on sale or they're going to bundle the DLC together or something like that. So I might just wait at some point and try to get it cheaper because I'm not super eager to jump into DLC yet or at least to pay full price for it. But uh, at some point, I probably will. Interesting. Uh, for someone who is excited about Resident Evil as you, I would have thought you would have for sure bought it right off the bat. And I know that bought isn't a word. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I haven't touched Resident Evil 7. People who listen to this podcast know why. But uh, I did edit the review that we posted for Resident Evil 7 
which was done by um, crazy man Dan Weissenberger, who loves Resident uh, Evil like 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 a crazy person, and he really liked it a lot. So maybe that might be uh, the thing. You know, maybe it's impossible to maintain that extended suspense if you know it's coming. But I think there was one kind of like a roguelike uh, new mode that was put in, uh, kind of a separate side mode, and there's you know but just more content. So maybe maybe the main campaign can't do it for you, but you know if you want more. You're not quite satisfied. It seems like the DLC is pretty good so far, so maybe keep that in mind. But why did you not buy it? I'm so surprised because you were so psyched for this game. I thought for sure you would have popped immediately. That's what she said. Yes, there you go. That's what she said. Yep. Or he said. um, Oh, yeah. Sorry. He said. Well, you know, six of one, half dozen the other. Whatever. uh, Somebody popped either way. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Or both. uh, You know, we don't don't judge. We don't um, judge. It's fine. You can do both. It's okay. This is like 2017. Oh my god! Okay, back to Resident <laughs> Evil Seven. Um, <laughs> I uh, if uh, if Target had had the limited edition game that had the season pass packed in, I totally one hundred percent would have bought it. But they didn't, and at that time, I thought, okay, I'll play through the campaign and see how much I like it, and then decide if I want to give Capcom any more of my money. And because the Resident Evil Seven campaign did not absolutely like knock my socks off, um, I decided I feel like like a little kid, like like oh you didn't impress me so i'm not going to give you any more of my money like that's kind of how i feel about it um but uh i'll play the dlc at some point just not just not yet gotcha gotcha you didn't impress me so i'm not going to give you more of my money is that what he said or is that what she said that's another one right nobody said that brad that you Um, started this you started this you said we were missing these jokes Um, we got to get these jokes in but the last the last thing I'm gonna say about Resident Evil Seven is um, <laughs> one way that I could probably up the tension for myself is after you beat the game the first time they unlock a difficulty called Madhouse difficulty and allegedly it's like way harder and I guess um, there's like different save restrictions and certain items are in different places and stuff like that so I actually am thinking about playing it a third time and doing it on Madhouse and seeing if that ups the tension because if the game is more difficult and i'm already used to it then that might be enough to like for it to scare me or to make like enemy encounters more intense or something but uh i just haven't started it yet but i might i might do that ah you are a madman for thinking about doing that i don't know how you even fucking got through it once dude that's nuts harder and more tension oh fuck no thanks dude stress me out just hearing about it harder and more tension oh damn dude oh set you up for that one. Oh shit we're on a roll now we are on a roll oh unfortunately God. unfortunately we're also at the end of our show so i guess we're gonna have to leave all the sexual innuendo there we will pick it up next time uh and i will definitely make a a, a better effort to to catch those humorous <laughs> opportunities i apologize to everyone in the listening audience for all those jokes we did not get to tonight so my bad um anyway this has been a really fun show and thank you all so much for listening um before we go we would just like to remind you that you can send us your comments thoughts feedback ideas sexy jokes anything else you'd like to at the so video games podcast at gmail.com we are also on twitter at so video games and so thanks very much for listening and this is bye from brad and bye from Corey. we will see you guys next week 